Okay, we're beginning here on the bottom of Ted Zion with two lines from the bottom. Amar Rabba, Amar Rabbi Yisrael Pashmol, Bar Marta, Gadol Tamut Torah Yoter Mikiburavim. So this is the end of a series of Gadol Tamut Torah. We saw that Gadol Tamut Torah Yoter Miatzalat Nefashot, Gadol Tamut Torah Yoter Mibinyan Beit Hamikdash, and this was the final one, which was Gadol Tamut Torah Yoter Mikiburavim. Shekolotan Shanim Shayu Yaakov Avinu Beit Ever Lo Neanash. All those years that Yaakov was found in the Beit Midrash of Aver, he does not get punished for. Damarbar. So now we have a calculation as to the fact that Yaakov disappears for 14 years. Now let's start out with what we know about the life of Yaakov, and then we have to deal with what the Gemara adds for us. The Torah gives us a certain amount of information from which we can calculate uh, the years of Yaakov or when things transpired. The Gemara here is going to give us an additional piece of information. That additional piece of information will cause there to be a problem, and that problem will be solved by saying that Yaakov Avinu was in the Beit Midrash of Aver for 14 years. So we know that Yaakov descends to Mitzrayim when he's 130 years old, because he says when he comes before Paro, Paro asks him, how old are you? And he says, I'm 130 years old. We also know with regards to Yosef, they have a number of years that we know about his lifetime, which is, first of all, when he's brought before Paro, he is 30 years old. And when he leaves his father's house, when his brothers sell him down to Mitzrayim, he's 17 years old at that time. Now, with regards to how long between the time that Yosef becomes the Mishneh Lamelech until Yaakov descends to Mitzrayim, meaning that he reveals himself to his brothers, that's nine years. We know that because you have the seven years of sova, seven years of plenty, and then two years of famine until Yosef reveals himself to his brother. So that's nine years. So Yosef, at the time that his father descends to Mitzrayim, is 39 years old. So if you back, if you go a little bit backwards then, that means that Yosef is born when Yaakov is 91 years old. When Yaakov is 91 years old, that's when Yosef is born. 39 years later, that's when Yosef is found in front of the Paroah Zemishnel Melech and reveals himself to his brothers, and that's when Yaakov descends to Mitzrayim. In addition to that, we know that Yaakov, in the house of Levan, that he worked seven years for Rachel, seven years for Leah, and in addition to that, he spends an additional six years there working to accumulate the, own, the wealth that he has. But we know that that happens at the time that Yosef is born. Because at the time that Yosef is born, Yaakov is ready to leave and go home. And then Levan convinces him to stay. So that means that the birth of Yosef, that's after Yaakov has completed the 14 years of working for Rachel and Leah. That means that Yaakov gets to the house of Levan when he is 77 years old. That's 14 years prior to the 91 that we calculate is when Yosef is born. So we know that 77 years old, that's when Yaakov gets to the house of Lavan. Now that's as far as we know in terms of information from the Torah. What we don't know is what transpired in the years before that. You would assume, based on the story in Chumash, that Yaakov comes to the house of Lavan somewhere close to after when he had the altercation with his brother Esav and he took the bracha from Esav because he runs away in response to the fact that Esav wants to kill him because of that, Bracha and his mother sends him, mother and father send him to go to Lavan to run away, to get a wife, and to give some time for the situation to cool down. So we would assume that it was close to that time period, which would mean around when he is 
77 years old. So that's where the Gemara is going to differ and give us information that says that the bracha took place at a different time. And that's what's going to open up this difference in timing, which is, Damar Lama Nimnu Shnotav Shel Yishmael. Why does the Torah enumerate the years of Yishmael's life? Because it helps us understand the years of Yaakov. As it says, This is the life of Ishmael. His years were 137 years old. How much older is Ishmael from Yitzchak? 14 years. Avram is 86 at the birth of Ishmael. To the Avram, Uchtiv, and it says Avram ben Me'at Shana bivaleido et Yitzchak beno. And when Yitzchak's born, he's a hundred. So there's a fourteen-year gap between Ishmael and Yitzchak. Uchtiv, and we know that Yitzchak gives birth to Yaakov when he is sixty years old. He gets married at forty, and he has the twins when he is sixty. It says Yitzchak ben Shishim Shana bivaledet Otam. So Yitzchak is sixty at the birth of Yaakov and Esav. So at that time, Barkam Ahava Yishmael, Ki Yaakov, how old is Yishmael when Yaakov is born? Well, if Yitzchak is 60 when he gives birth to Yaakov, and Yishmael is 14 years older, Barshivim Barba, 60 plus 14 is 74. So Kaibme Paishin Mishne, how much is left over from his lifetime? It's 137 years, minus the 74. So what remains of his lifetime at that point in time is, Shishitin v'tlat, 63 years are left in the lifetime of Ishmael. Betanya, and here is the important b'rita that gives us information about how old Yaakov is. It says, Haya, Tanya, Haya Yaakov avinu b'sha'a, shenitbarach me'aviv ben shishim v'shalosh shana. Yaakov is 63 years old at the time that he receives the bracha. You remember when we did the calculation based on what the Torah gives us, we would assume it was around 77. Here the Brayta says it's actually 63 when he receives the bracha. Boba Perik made Yishmael. And that was the same time period when Yishmael died. Because at the birth of Yaakov, Yishmael is 74 years old. He dies 63 years later at 137 years old. And that is the period in which the bracha is given to Yaakov. So Yaakov, Aesav at that point sees that Yitzchak gives instructions to Yaakov and gives him a bracha and sends him off to go get a wife from his family. So then Esav does the same thing. He already married earlier. We know that from before the story of the brachot because his wives were a korat ruach to Yitzchak and Rivka. So now at this point he switches over and goes back to family. He goes to Ishmael. But Ishmael. He marries the daughter of Yishmael Machlat, Achot Nevayot, the sister of Nevayot. Bat Yishmael, if she is the daughter of Yishmael, and Yodeh, she Achot Nevayot, then obviously her brother is Nevayot. Melamed, she kidsha Yishmael, umet. Yishmael betrothed her, gave her over to be betrothed, umet, and he dies, v'siya Nevayot achia. Then Nevayot, her brother, finishes off or marries off, does the Nisuin for her. So that means that Ishmael died at that point in time. And the Gemara is associating that, the marriage of Esav to Machlat, 
at the same time period as when the bracha, or the incident with the brachot took place, where Yaakov takes the bracha from Esav. So, when is that? If Yishmael passed away, we know that's when Yaakov is 63 years old. So now, we can stop there. We know, based on our calculations, that Yaakov, we thought, was 77. Here the Gemara says 63. There's a 14-year gap. That 14-year gap, the Gemara is going to tell us, was the time period that Yaakov disappears. We don't have a calculation for it. Those 14 years are when he is in the Beit Midrash of Aver. The Gemara is going to go about the calculation the same way we did, just in reverse, but it's going to start from 63. And it's going to say this, Shitin v'tlat, say, if he's 63 when the brachot are taken, then Barbesar dimitiyad Yosef. There's 14 years until the time Yosef is born, because he goes to the house of Levan, and he works there for seven years and seven years. At that point, Yosef is born, and he's ready to leave. So that's 14 years. 14 years plus 63 is the 77 that we talked about. Then it says, Yosef ben Shloshim amdo paro. Yosef is 30 years old when he pulled out of the boar and he goes before Paro. Ha mea vesheva. So if you add on 30 to 74, you end up with, I mean, to 77, you end up with 107. So then you have shev de sova vetarte de kafno. Then you have the seven years of plenty, the two years of famine. That's an additional nine years. Hamea Vishitsar, that's 116. So technically, Yaakov should have been 116 when he comes down to Mitzrayim. Uchtiv. But what do we know? Vayomer Parol Yaakov, Kama Yimei Shnei Chayecha. Vayomer Yaakov, El Parol Yimei Shnei Migurai, Shloshimu Machana. They're 130, I'm 130. So my says, no, Mea Vishitsar haven't. He was 116. So why is he 116 if he's telling Parol he's 130? The 14 years that he is away in the Beit Midrash of Aver, those aren't counted here. If you do that, that would postpone the whole count from 63 to 77, because you spend 14 years in the house of Aver, and then the calculation would be similar to ours, which is if you start at 77, you get to 130 when he stands before Paro. Now the Gemara's creation, the problem is created, or the missing 14 years are created, because of the assumption that the Brachot took place at 63. That's what the Brayta added. So, without the Braito, we would have just assumed that the Brachot took place at 77, and these 14 years don't exist. But the fact that we have a Braito that tells us that Yaakov got the Brachot to 63, that's what opens up the problem, and that's why we have to explain the missing 14 years. So, the Mark explains them as being that Yaakov is in the Beit Aver on his way to Lavan's house. He stops for 14 years to learn. And then it says that he doesn't get punished for that. The Tanya, Haya Yaakov Beit Aver, Mutman Rishana. He was learning there for 14 years. Aver himself dies two years after Yaakov ends up in Aram Naraim, meaning when Yaakov is 79 years old. Because when he leaves after 14 years, he goes to Aram Naraim, when he's at the Be'er, meaning when he meets Rachel, by the house of Lavan, he's 77 years old. When he's 79, that's when Aver passes away. That you can calculate. Actually, the Torah gives us that information based on you add up all the years of the lives of the individuals from the time of Noah till that period of time, you'll see that Aver lives until the point where Yaakov is 79 years old. So all of that we can corroborate. The only thing that we can't corroborate, which is given to us by the Bright, is the fact that the Brachot took place at 63 at the death of Yishmael. And that's what opens up these 14 years that Yaakov learned 
by the Beit Medrash of Ever. So now how do we know that he wasn't punished for those 14 years that he was by Ever? That Yosef leaves his father for 22 years. Remember, Yosef is sold by the brothers down to Mitzrayim when he is 17 years old. And we know that he appears before Paro when he's 30. And he reveals himself to the brothers when he's 39. Because you have seven years of plenty and two years of famine before he reveals himself to the brothers. 39 minus 17 is 22 years. That means that Yosef is missing from Yaakov for those 22 years. And the Gemara says that, that those 22 years are Keneged Shem Shepirash Yaakov Avinu Me'aviv. The same 22 years that Yaakov left his father. Yaakov. Wait a minute. Yaakov didn't leave his father for 22 years. He actually left him for 36 years. Those 14 years that he was in the Beit Midrash are not counted against him. So the Gemara here assumes that he left at 63 and then he only returns much later on, 36 years later, when he is 99 years old. Gemara says, wait a minute, that's not exactly true because Sov Zov, the Beit Lavan, he was only in Beit Lavan for 20 years. So why are you counting here 22 years? Because we know that he worked 7 years for Rachel and Leas, that's 14 years. After Yosef is born, he asks to leave. Lavan convinces him to stay. He stays for an additional 6 years at that point. That means that he's in Beit Lavan for a total of 20 years. If he's in Beit Lavan for 20 years, and he got there when he was 77, that means that he gets back to Yitzchak when he's 97, not when he's 99. So Mar wants to know, where did those other two years come from? It takes him two years to travel back. Not literally that it takes two years, but he takes two years to travel back, and there's a delay in his return to Yitzchak, the Tanya. He leaves Naram Raim and comes to Sukkot. And he's there for 18 months. Shinemar, Vayakov Nasasukota, Vayven Lobait, Lomiknei Wasasukot. So the way he makes a sukkah, then he builds a house, and then he makes a sukkah. So the way that Chazal Darshan is that sukkah is the living quarters of the summer, and the bait is the living quarters of the winter. So you see that he had sukkah, bait, sukkah. So that means a winter, summer, winter, which is an 18 month duration. And Ubebeitel, Asashisha Chodashim, Vikrivs Vachim. In Beitel, he was there for six months when he brought the Korbanot and he fulfills his nether to Hashem that if he returns safely, that he'll bring the Korbanot and he'll make this Evan into a Makom of Abudat Hashem. So there he waits two years on the way back. It takes him two years of travel time back to Yitzchak, again, because he stops in these places. And that is a total of 22 years. So he only gets back to Yitzchak when he is 99 years old. That he is punished for. And therefore, he was safe leaves him from the age of 17 to 39 for 22 years. But again, Chazal, who believed the bracha took place at 63, then there was an additional 14 years that he was away from his father. Why isn't he punished for that? That's the Gemara's proof here that Gadol, Tamul Torah, Yoter that he is granted a dispensation here not to be punished for the lack of Kibbut Avaim during those 14 years because he was learning to Torah. Therefore, Tamul Torah is greater than Kibbut Avaim. Okay, with that, we and the first parak, Adranalach Mikla Nikrait. Now we begin the second parak. Now the second parak is a more halachic view of the Megillah. 
And along with that, we bump into other items that, along with the Megillah, that have the similar halachot. So the first one is, Someone who reads the Megillah out of order is not Yotze. If he reads it by heart, Targum. If he reads it in Targum, or or in any language. So it seems to hear that Targum is an example of a language that he could have read. And here he reads it not only in Targum, but he reads it in any language. As Rashi says, Zu, Vein Tarech Lamar, Zu, Tani. It's a Rashi later on, on Daf Yudchet. He says that, of course, if he read a Targum, he's not Yotze, then certainly with other languages, then he won't be Yotze. Aval Korim Otalo Loazot Bilaz. People who speak a foreign language, you can read it in their language. Valoaz Shishama Shrit Yatsa. And someone who speaks another language that heard it in Hebrew, they are Yotze, the Megillah. Obviously, there's a problem here. We just said before you can't read it in another language. Now all of a sudden we're saying if it's your language, then you can read it. So the Gemara will have to reconcile between that problem and the Mishnah. Karas Sirugim, if he read it sections in sections, umitnam name, and he's dozing off, or he what, or, and he's dozing off, yatsa. So it wasn't read in a single time in a consecutive manner. Rather, he reads it, takes a pause, takes a break, dozes off a little bit, and then continues to read it. That's fine. If he was writing a Megillah, he was Doresh, the Megillah, or he was correcting a Megillah, if he has Kavanah, he doesn't have Kavanah, he's not Yotze. Now, this is interesting because this seems to imply from the Mishnah, it's pretty clear here, that Mitzvot, Tzrichot, Kavanah. Yet, the Gemara never brings this Mishnah as a proof anywhere that mitzvot, tzrichot, kavanah. So many of the Vishonim deal with the fact that here, the requirement of kavanah is the divrei hakol. Everybody agrees on it. The Ran discusses this in other places, but mentions the reason that is, is because here he's being korah. He's doing it in order to fix the Megillah or read the Megillah to write it. And in that case, he does not read it like the way it's supposed to be read. He rather reads it al aktiv instead of al kri. And so therefore, he's not going to be yotze because he's not reading it for the proper pronunciation of the words. He's reading it to get the proper spelling of the words. And that's why he's not yotze. Others disagree with the Ran and say that that's okay. That takes care of some of the examples here. But the Mishnah also mentions dorsha, that he's being doreshit. So why shouldn't he be yotze in that case? So others suggest over here with regards to Megillah, the Megillah has an additional aspect to it that is not there by other mitzvot, and that's the necessity for Pursume Nisa. So whereas by other mitzvot you may not require a Kavanah, over here by Megillah you need Kavanah, not necessarily Kavanah for the mitzvah, but Kavanah in order to create or generate the Pursume Nisa that is associated with the Megillah. And that's the Kavanah that the Mishnah is explaining or looking for over here, not the standard kavanah, which we're talking about whether you need kavanah be mitzvot or ain't kavanah be mitzvot. Haitak tuva besam ubesikra ubekumus ubekankatum. So if it's written in any of these inks, and we'll get to what they are in tomorrow's daf, alniyar val diftira, or if it's written on paper or on diftira, we'll see again what type of hide that is. Lo yatsa. None of those are considered to be a proper megillah. Ashtek tuva shurit, until it's written in Hebrew. Allah Sefer Ubidyo on cloth and written in this Dio, the type of ink or proper type of ink that is kasher for writing a Megillah, for writing a Sefer Torah. So all of that we'll discuss in tomorrow's daf. 
Today we're going to discuss the beginning of the Mishnah, which is Menahani Mile. Where does this come from? So, how do you know the fact that If you read it out of order, that you're not Yotze. Why is the Mishnah assume that that's the case, or how does the Mishnah know that that is the case? So, Mara says, the Pasuk says, the way that they are written, and in their times. When it comes to zmanam, you can't have time out of order. By definition, time is in order. So just like time is in order, so too the writing cannot be out of order, but it must be in order. So that's why we know that the writing cannot be done Limafreya. So Gemara says, Midai Kriak Tiva Hochi. Wait, our Mishnah says, Hakoreya Tamigila You're talking about Ktiva. You brought me a proof, right? That it's talking about Asiak Tiva. That we're talking about the doing of the Migila, but not the Ktiva of the Migila. Tiktiv, the Osim Hayami. So it says, in order to make these days. So, we're not talking about the reading of the Megillah. We're not talking necessarily even about the writing of the Megillah. We're talking about the creation of Purim. El Mehocha. Must be from here. Zichira. Now already is talking about the reading of the Megillah. That's the mentioning of Purim. So the Asiyah. Just like Asiyah is not done out of order. So too, the Asiyah is not out of order. So now we have a proof that the fact that the Zechira cannot be out of order because we have the proof that the Asiyah can't be out of order, partly because Asiyah itself inherently cannot be over. When you do something, it's done in order. But also, more importantly, we saw before that the Asiyah was connected to the Zman, to time. And just like time has order to it, so too does the Asiyah. And the Asiyah connects to the Kriya, the Zechira. And therefore, the transitive property teaches us that they all have to be in order. So everything has to be done, not limafrei. You have to read the Megillah in a sequential manner. You can't read it out of order. So now, the Gemara adds over here, Tano, v'chein b'halel, v'chein b'kriyachma, that there are three other instances where this din is true, that you must do it in order. You must read the Halel in order, you must read Kriyachma in order, and you must damage Shmon Esrei in order. So now the Gemara wants to understand each one of these items. How do we know that that's the case? Halel minalan. How do we know that halel has be done in order? Rabba Amar dichvitev. Because it says, these are psukim recording from halel. Mimizach shemesh anmavolo, molo shem Hashem. So the halel to shem Hashem is like mizrach shemesh admivo. From the sun, the rise of the sun in the east until it comes, I mean until it sets in the west. So just like when the sun, the movement of the sun, or the rising and setting of the sun always happen in the same order, so too, Malal Shem Hashem, so too, the Halal of Hashem should be in order, and not out of order. Rabbi Yosef Amar, he says, Zeryom Asa Hashem. So just like the day is in order, so the, so too over here, the Halal must be done in order. Zeryom Asa Hashem, Hashem, Nagila Venismechabo. So that celebration, that rejoicement, that saying of Hallel is like the day. Just like the day, which is time, is always chronologically in order. So too, the Hallel must be in order. 
And we're going to get to the end of the Pasuk again afterwards, which is Mi'atav Yadulam. But he here says, Behav that it should be in the way that it is written. So when you're Mivarech, when you bless Hashem, when you say positive things towards Hashem, then he, they have to be Behav they have to be in order. Because that Pasuk ends, Hashem Mivarech, from now and forever. So again, a, a mention of time in the concept, in the context of Hashem Hashem that the Hashem Hashem should be blessed. So again, the need or necessity for Hallel to be said in order. Kriyat Shema. How do you know that Kriyat Shema must be said in order? Tatanya, Kriyat Shema Kichtava Divrei Rabbi. Kriyat Shema must be read in the way that it is written, meaning Lashon HaKodesh, must be read in Hebrew. That's Rabbi's opinion. Chachamim say you can read Kriyat Shema in any language. So my time with the Rabbi, what's the reasoning behind Rabbi's position? The Pasuk says, They have to be exactly the way they are. Rabbanan my time. What's the reasoning behind the Rabbanan's position that you can do it in any language? Shema Yisrael. Any language that you understand that you can hear, that is sufficient or that is proper for you to be Yotze, the mitzvah of Kriyat Shema. For Rabbi Nami Haktiv Shema. What does Rabbi do with the word Shema? That you must hear that which you say. And when you say Kriyat Shema, you should say it in a manner loud enough that you're able to hear it yourself. Not only are you saying it in your mind or by yourself, but you must also hear what you're saying. Rabbanan Sabrei Kamanda Amar Akureta Shema Vluishmilos No Yatsa. That the person who reads the Shema and is unable to hear himself saying it, he's still Yotze. Now again, they agree the Chatchilah that you should do it in a manner that you can hear yourself saying the Shema. But if you don't do that, then you're still Yotze. Bidiavad, you are Yotze Kriyat Shema. So the man says Rabbanan Nami Akti Vayu. Don't the Rabbanan also have the word Vayu, which means Baviatanya Hey that they have to be exactly like this. That he doesn't read them out of order. So here's the source of the fact. Vayu teaches you that you can't read Kriyachma out of order. What about Rabbi? How does Rabbi know that you can't read out of order? So that hey, that teaches you it has to be in order. They don't think there's a drawshaw from that hey in Hadvarim. And therefore, they don't have to deal with that at all. Rabbi has the additional drusha because he believes that that is worthy of a drusha. So you see from here that the Rabbanan believe, number one, you can say Kriyat in any language. Number two is, it must be in order. Number three is that you should hear yourself saying the Kriyat but it's not Ma'akev, your ability to say Kriyat On the other hand, Rabbi believes you have to say Kriyat in Lashon HaKodesh in Hebrew. You have to, you have to actually hear what you're saying when you say Kriyat Shema, and he agrees that it must be in order. And as Tosafo points out over here, it sounds like here that the Allah is like the Chachamim, because you have a Machloket Rabbi and the Chachamim, then generally the Allah is like the Chachamim, you go after the rope. Vote that the Rabbanan over here are similar to the opinion in the Gemara and Brachot that a Kriyat Shema is no Yatzah, in the second paragraph of Brachot, there the Gemara concludes, like the Tanakhama Rabbi Yossi, that says that same position, or has that position against Rabbi Yossi over there. So just like that, in Gemara and Brachot, we say that, it's not me'akev, Ishmael aznecha, 
So the Rabbanan hold like that opinion, so it makes it sense that the Allah here is like the Rabbanan, which is that you can say Shema in any language, that you don't have to hear what you say by yourself, again, at least, and that it cannot be read out of order. Now, the Gemara makes or draws some conclusions for this. Let's assume that Rabbi believes that the Torah was written or given in every language. If you think the Torah was only given in Hebrew, so, why do I need a specific directive by Shema to say that it must be in Hebrew? If the Torah was only given in Hebrew, or only said over in Hebrew, then, of course, the Shema can only be said in Hebrew. The fact that he has Vayu to come and narrow the possibilities by Shema means that there's a much broader palette of languages that are involved in the Torah prior to that point. My says, now, Itzrich, you know, he needs it. That maybe you would learn the Shema like the Rabbanon. That's why the Torah came along to say Vayu to limit that and not to think like the Rabbanon. So now the Gemara tries to infer the same thing in reverse with the Chachamim. The whole Torah was only said in Hebrew. If you think in any language, then why do I need a specific, again, directive by Shema to tell you you can do it in any language if, of course, the whole Torah was given in every language? must be that the Torah is a narrow scope, and this is the exception to the rule by Shema. It says, no, again, Yitzrich, you need it. That they would learn that only Kodesh, so therefore you have Shema to offset it. So the question of which way you emphasize whether it's Shema Vayu, but that's not definitive about what you view the language of the Torah. Now, what does it mean that the Torah is written in Lashon HaKodesh, or the Torah is written in many languages? So Rashi over here says, Bechol Lashon Nemra, Likrota Bechol Lashon, to read it in every language. There's a question, can you read the Torah in Hebrew? Or can you read the Torah in any language? Tosafot raises an issue right away. What do you mean that what you can read it in? The Kriyat Torah is a Din Der Abonon. There's no Din Doraita of Kriyat Torah. So why are we talking about the Torah, again, on a Doraita level, what language you can read it in, when there isn't a Doraita mitzvah in which you have to read it? So therefore, he says, Tosvot comes up with a modified view of this. He says, there is obviously a Kriya, one Kriya, which is Midoraita, which is Pashat Zachor. But he says, Anytime the Torah mandates that you read something, condone. What are the examples of that? Mitzvat Chalitza. All the times that the Torah makes a demand on you that you must read a paragraph or a section of the Torah, in that case, what is the language that can be used in that instance? Is the language that can be used in that instance Hebrew? Or is it Bechol Hashon? And that's what the argument here is. Basically, that's what Rashi means, that the Krota Bechol Hashon, whether you can read it in any language, you can only read it in Hebrew, it's not a reference to Kriata Torah. It's a reference to Kriya in the Torah. Anytime the Torah demands that you read something, what is the definition of that reading? All right, that's the way Rashi and Tosafot, modified by Tosafot, reads or learns this sugya. The Ritva, other Rishonim, suggests that the Machoket here is whether a Torah written in other languages has a status of Torah. Does it have Tushat Sefer Torah? So is Kedushat Sefer Torah only applicable by Lashon HaKodesh? Or is Kedushat Sefer Torah also applicable by other languages? And that's what the Gemara is discussing over here about the languages issue. Others say that the question is about what language was the Torah given in at Har Sinai? Was it given in Hebrew? Was it given in all languages? Was it given in a different language? 
And that's the question that the Gemara is trying to address over here. And others suggest that, that might have an afkamin in terms of what language did Moshe learn the Torah in? Did he learn it in Hebrew from Hashem, or did he learn it in some other language? And that might have an afkamin as to what language we should be learning the Torah in. If Moshe learned it in Hebrew, then we should be learning it in Hebrew. If he learned it in some other language, then maybe we should be learning it either in that language, or maybe language doesn't matter anymore with regards to learning Torah. Those are a number of possibilities of the Rishonim explaining what exactly the Gemara is pondering over here in terms of the Torah being either Belashon HaKodesh or in multiple Lishonot. So now the Gemara says, Tefillah Minolon. So we're going to spend the rest of today discussing this issue is, how do you know that Tefillah has to be in order? Titania, Shimon HaPikoli is dear Shmonesri Brachot Lifnei Rabban Gamliel Al-Sederi Yavne. The Shimon HaPikoli put together the Shmonesri in the order that they are, before Rabban Gamliel in Yavne. Tomorrow, later on, we'll ask, because we're going to, in a second, say that it was in the case, it was the Anshei Knesset Agdola, and the Gemara will finally answer that they forgot it, and then Shimon Apakuli came back and reestablished it. In terms of who Shimon Apakuli is, Rashi says that Apakuli is his profession, that he was Pakul, which is that he made balls of cotton or put together balls of cotton. So he was a person who made balls of cotton or sold balls of cotton. That's why he was called the Apakuli. Or the other possibility is that that's the place or location that he came from. But Rashi over here suggests that it is his profession. Amr Rabbi Yochanan, Matnito. And again here, Rabbi Yochanan, is some question as to the girsa here. There are multiple girsaot. If you look at the Rosh, the Rif, others have different girsaot as to who the Bala Memre is, who the attribution is. Some say it was in a Braita. There were 120 elders, and amongst them were a number of prophets. They're the ones who put together the Shmonesre Alaseder. Obviously referencing to the Anshe Knesset Agdola. 120 here references the Anshe Knesset Agdola. How that exactly works, the 120 of the Anshe Knesset Agdola, whether they were 120 at one point in time, and that was it, they were not reappointed, and the 120 until they're finished, because we have in the Mishnah Nabot that Shimon Tzadig Hayamisharei Knesset Agdola, that he's left over. Why do they mean he's left over? Because he's one of the 120, but he's the last of the 120 to be alive or to be left over. Or is it a body that had replacements, that when people passed away, then they were replaced, and then eventually the body is dissolved or is no longer functioning, and that's what it means, Mishare Ansheik Nesed Agdola. But we know that it at least begins in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah at that period of time, because we see here that there are Nevi'im amongst them, so it's got to be the latter Nevi'im that are amongst those that are part of the Anshei Knesset HaGidola. And here the Gemara feels that these are the founders or the ones who put together what we know as Shimon Esri, as the Tefillah that we have today. Now the Gemara is going to discuss the order of all the Brachot here. Now Tosafot over here speaks about the fact that he's dear, that there's an order to Shimon Esri, and that the Gemara here says that if you read Shimon Esri, the Mafreya, out of order, then you're not Yotzei. So Tosafot over here brings proof to a Machokit that he has with Rashi, in the Gemara in Brachot, because the Gemara in Brachot indicates that with regards to the first three Brachot and the last three Brachot, they have to be done al seder. But the middle Brachot don't have to be done al seder. So the way Rashi explains it is literally. He says the first three Brachot, last three Brachot have to be in order, exactly the order that they're given. If you don't do it, you have to repeat them. Whereas the middle Brachot, if you skip a Bracha, you can go back, fix, say that Bracha that you skipped, and then just continue on from where you are, which would indicate that you can do it on Mafreya. Tosafot says over here from the Gemara, it sounds like that's not the case. Because here it says about all the 18 brachot that they were his dear, they set them up, and then Gemara uses that as a reference to the fact that 
you can't do them afraid, you can't do them out of order. There's an order to the brachot, including the middle brachot. And therefore, Tosafot explains that statement in the Gemara brachot differently. He says, with regards to the first three and the last three brachot, if you do them out of order, if you make a mistake in them, you have to start from the beginning. I mean, that, they, that set or section of brachot are a single unit. So if you make a mistake in the first three brachot, you have to go back to the first bracha. In the last three brachot, if you make a mistake in them, you have to go back to the beginning of those three brachot, those three last brachot. So any mistake in them forces you back to the beginning of that unit. On the other hand, when it comes to the middle brachot, if you make a mistake or you skip something, all you have to do is go back to that bracha and then continue onward. You don't have to go back to the beginning of atachonein, the beginning of the brachot of the middle section. You just go back to whatever problem you had, whatever bracha you missed. You start from there and then you move forward from there. So he says, unlike Rashi, they have to be read in order. You can't just read them anytime you want, but you don't have to return to the beginning of that series. So that's the difference between the first three, last three, and the middle brachot. And that's how Tosavot uses our Gemara as a proof to his position with regards to the Gemara in brachot. So Tarabanan, minayin shomim avot. How do you know that we say avot? Shinamar. So here the Gemara quotes the Tehilim Chavtet that we say every week in Kabbalat Shabbat. We also say when we put away the Torah on Shabbat. But here we have the Shem Hashem, which is mentioned 18 times there, which is a reference to the Shemon Esri, that's part of the reason that we stand up when we say this Perak of Tehillim. Over there, we've discussed this before in the Gemara and Rosh Hashanah, which is, Havu Lashem Bnei Elim, should ascribe to Hashem Bnei Elim, the strong ones, the sons of the strong ones. And over there, we learned that Elim refers to the Elei Ulam, the strong ones, the rocks of the world, which were the Avot. How do you know after our vote comes givurot? You should give Hashem kavod, glory, vaoz, and strength. So that refers to givura. And that's again, these are in the order of the psukim. Here's the first pasuk in that parak. And then the second pasuk in that parak is How do we know that we say kdushot afterwards? Shinemar says havod Hashem kivod shimo. That you should give to Hashem the glory of His name. You should bow down to, you should worship Hashem in the beauty of holiness. So here you have the first three brachot, or the source for the fact that the first three brachot go in this way, which is, Avot, Magen Avraham, Gvurot, Atagibor, Elam Hashem, that also has the mention of Mashiva Ruach, which is the rain that we learn in the Gemara and Tanit, is associated with Gvura. And that ends with, Mechayei Amitim. And then the third bracha is Kedushat HaKadosh, that ends with Akel HaKadosh. So that's the order for the first three brachot, based on the Perak Tilim of Chavtet, where it has that order in placing the brachot of Avot, Gvurot, and then Kedushat. Now, Ma'adam Ra'ul Omar Bina Achar Kedushat. So now we move into the middle section of brachot. How do you know to say Atachonein Adam Da'at after you finish off with Akel HaKadosh? Shinamar. Because it says in Yishayahu, Vigdishu et Kedosh Yaakov, so they will sanctify the holiness of Yaakov. And the God of Israel, they will revere. And then it says right afterwards, And those that were lost or misunderstood uh, have gone off the derech will then clearly understand who the real God is and who the nation of Hashem is. So you see there that that understanding comes after 
you have the Yaritsu, after you have the Kedusha and the reverence of Hashem. So after Kedusha comes understanding Bina, which is Atachonein Adamdat, Unameid Lenosh Bina. Umal Umar, Raul Omar Tshuva Achar Bina. How do you know to say the next bracha, or to say tshuva, after the bracha of Achonein Adat? Tichtiv, because it says in Yishayahu, again, Ulevavo Yavin, Vishav Rafalo. Hashem is bemoaning the fact that Bnei Israel don't do this. He's saying that if just Levavoyavin, if he would just understand, Vashav and do tshuva, Rafalo, and then I would heal him. So that's why right after Habana, right after Bina, understanding, we have tshuva, Vashav. My says, Ihachi. Well, that pasuk is interesting because then it puts the order like this. It puts in Bina, which is Chonenadat, then Shav, which is Arotzebi tshuva, and then it says, Virafalo. That would be Rofeichol Basar. So Gemara asks, Leimer Rafua Batrad the Tshuva. That's the case. Then Rafua, that bracha of Rofeichol Eamoyisel, should follow the bracha of Rotzebi Tshuva. It says Losaka Datcha Dichtiv, because you have another pasuk which says, Viyashov El Hashem Virachameyu Velelokeinu Kiarbeli Sloach. So here you have a juxtaposition of Viyashov El Hashem, that one who returns to Hashem Virachameyu, and he will have mercy upon him. And to God, because he gives abundant pardons. But here you see, first of all, which is a road to Bichuva, and right afterwards, which would be the order of the brachot that we have, which is Chuva and then Slicha. Why are you using this pasuk as the definitive proof? Why don't you use the older pros pasuk? Why do you know that this pasuk is right that has Slicha after Chuva? Why don't you use the pasuk that has refuah after tshuva? How do you know which one of these is right? It says, Ketav Chorachrina. We have a third pasuk that proves our point, which is, Hasoleach l'chol avonechi, harufeh l'chol tachalu aichi. The one who gives slicha to all of our iniquities, gives forgiveness for all of our iniquities, harufeh l'chol tachalu aichi. Then the one who brings refuah, Cures or heals all of our sicknesses or diseases. Hagoel mishachat chayaychi, and the one who redeems our lives from the depths. So over here you have refuah clearly coming after slicha. So this third pasuk is a machria. The machria is that refuah follows slicha. So now the order that we have is bina chonenadat. Then we have tshuva, which is a rotzeh b'tshuva. Then we have slicha. Then we're going to have Rifua according to this. Rifua should come afterwards. And now the Gemara wants to understand that. So now, from that Pasuk, we know that Gula and Rifua come after Slicha. What are you going to do with the Pasuk? That's not the Rifua that you thought from diseases. That is a cure of Slicha. So in order to reconcile with that pasuk that brings refuah after tshuva, Gemara says that that refuah, that healing over there, is not the healing in the physical sense. That's a healing from a sinning sense. That just like there are healing, or there's a doctor for someone who is sick physically, there's also healing, or a doctor for someone who is spiritually sick. And so that's what refuah here, the refuah is the pardon or the slicha that comes for the sins. So Mar says, Umar Ulomar Gulabishvit. 
So then why does Geula, the seventh bracha, why does that come before Rifu'ah? Because both in the Pasuk over here that we just quoted, which is a which is again, Rifu'ah comes before Geula. And that would imply that Rifu'ah should be first. So Amarava, Mitoksha, Dimli, Gael, Bishvit. The reason that Geula precedes Rifu'ah is because Geula will take place in the seventh year or Bishvit. In a year of Shvi'it. So the Fikach Kavua Bishvi'it. Therefore they made Gol Yisrael the seventh bracha to reference the seventh year, the Shemitah year, in which the Gula will take place. This is based on a Gemara in Sanhedrin that talks about the cycle that leads into the time of the Gula. It says, Vamamar Bishishit Kolot. Then in the sixth year you have all these voices, these sounds, Bishvi'it Milchamot. In the seventh year, you have battles, you have war. In the Motzei Shvit, the year after Shvit, that's when Mashiach comes. So what are you talking about? He comes during the Shvit. So my answer is here, Battle or war is a precursor to redemption. It is something that precedes redemption. Or it's an indicator of the fact that redemption is on its way. So the fact that the seventh year has a war in it, the Shvi'it has a war in it, that's already means that we're in the footsteps, we're approaching the Geulah, and therefore Goel Yisrael, the bracha, is placed as the seventh bracha to correlate with that parallel to the fact that Geulah will be in the seventh year. Again, it's very interesting that, again, in this, in the previous century and into this century that there have been so many battles, wars, significant wars that took place. Now the Gemara asks, why do you have to say Rufuah as the eighth bracha? Now it's interesting because we already knew that Rufuah came after Tshuva, after Slicha, and the only reason we inserted Gulon there was because it was the seventh, and to match it with the seventh. So obviously Rufuah would be next. So now why is the Gemara asking, why is Rufuah the eighth? So, of course it's the eighth, because that's the next bracha, and that's where you're going to place it. So here the Gemara says, uh, some say, like the Marsha over here suggests, that the fact that we allowed Rifuah to be knocked off, that Gula was the seventh bracha, is because of the reason we just spoke about. But why does that override the fact that Rifuah should come after the Slicha? So my answer is because there's also a reason to put Rifuah as the eighth bracha. And that's what the Gemara is saying here. Rifuah also is, makes sense or has a reason to be the eighth bracha. Uh, the other possibility is the fact that Gula is equally appropriate to be in the seventh and the eighth year. Because we just said now that the Milchamah, the battles, are at Chatla the Gula. But the Gula itself really takes place in the eighth year. So Gula could fit in the seventh or eighth. So why do we put Rufua as the eighth? So that's what the Gemara is asking now. What's the Rufua? Why is Rufua the eighth? And others suggest now that the problem here is that once we knocked off Rufua, from being next to Slicha, then why would you put it as the eighth bracha? I mean, what connection does it have anymore? And that's the question of the Gemara over here, which is, why do you have the bracha of Rufua Bishminit? That's a connection to Brit Milah, which is on the eighth day, which requires healing. So that's why Rufua is the eighth bracha. The Ficha Kavua Bishminit. And that's why they established it as the eighth bracha in Shmon Esrei, because of that connection to Brit Milah.
Why is Birkat Hashanim the ninth bracha? So Amar Alexandri Kineged Mafkiei Shi'arim. That is going against the people who are, I guess, monopolizers, who corner the market and force the prices up. So these are people who are causing the market price to rise, but artificially. They're creating artificial squeezes on the market prices. It's not that the market itself is really there at that price, but somehow they are able either to corner the market or they control the market to the point where they bring the prices way up. And these people who do that, they affect the poor people the most because they are the people that are most hurt by the fact that the prices rise. And those are the basic staples of individuals. And those prices, as the prices of basic staples rise, that affects the poor or the lowest socioeconomic class the most. That's actually what gave rise to the Arab Spring, is the fact that basic staples and products, the prices started to rise in all these places, and that put the possibility of livelihood out of the reach for many of the people at the bottom of the rung. And therefore they started to revolt or rebel against their governments because they couldn't live anymore. They had no possibility of surviving once the staple products, the prices go beyond their means or beyond their reach. So Dichtev, it says, Shvor Zroa Rasha. The Hashem should break the arms of the Rasha, of those that are evil. And over there, the Ra that we're talking about there is those that are bad or those that are evil towards the poor or the underprivileged. And again, that's referring to the Mafkia Shearim. Vedavid Kiamra. And when David says this pasuk, he says it in the ninth parak of Tehillim. Well, if you take a quick look in the Masorah Teshas, on the side here in the Torah Or, Torah Or says, you know what parak Shvur Zra Rasha is in? The tenth parak of Tehillim. So why is the Gemara here calling it the ninth parak? So the answer is based on a Gemara in Brachot that tells us that the first two prakim and Tehillim are actually one parak Tehillim. They're not two. Separate Tehillim, because there the Gemara says it starts with Ashrei, ends with Ashrei. The only way you can find that is if you put the first two Prakim of Tehillim together. So when you put those together, then actually this Tehillim that we're quoting over here is not the tenth, but rather the ninth Perik of Tehillim, and that would match up. Rashi has what's seemingly strange, and he says, isn't it the eighth, not the ninth? So then you have to suggest there, there you can see on the side in the Masorah Tashas that he has a different Gears and Rashi, and Tosafot discussed it as well the possibility that there's another two prakim in the first ten that would be doubled up, meaning that they were combined, and that was why it would make it the eighth. So the Umar says, no, don't make it the eighth. Those two are really separate, and therefore you have nine. It's only the first two that are put together as a single parak of Tehillim, and that's why this is the ninth parak of Tehillim. Since it's the ninth parak of Tehillim, that's why Brikata Shanim is the ninth bracha, because there we're talking about the basic staples and livelihood of individuals, and that people should not ruin that for those that are of lesser means. I'm sorry, and then that's the offset. The offset to the fact that people are trying to monopolize or raise the market prices is that there's plenty. If Hashem is Hashanim, and there's bountiful crops and there's so much there that it's impossible or very hard for people to corner the markets or force the pricing up because there's just so much produce that's out there. We cave in. So after that, why is the bracha after Mevorech Hashanim now? 
Tikhtiv, because of the Pasuk in Yechezkel, again, a very famous Pasuk, Pasuk that we live in our times, Vatem Hare Yisrael, and you, the mountains of Israel, Anfechem Titeno, let your branches come forth, Ufer Yechem Tisul Ami Yisrael, and your fruits you shall, you shall yield for my nation Israel, because they are soon to approach, they are soon to come. So again, the idea that the land of Israel will begin to blossom and become super productive in anticipation of the return of the people. Again, something in Baruch Hashem that we've been able to witness in our lifetime, the tremendous productivity and yields and the fruits and the development of the land of Israel, something that has not been seen in more than 2,000 years, the flourishing of the land of Israel. Job again is another tremendous sign of the movement of the Gula based on that Pasuk in Yechezkel. So now, obviously, Kikar Vulavo means that they're soon to approach, means that they're going to come. The cave in Aliot, and after all the Galiot come together, again, don't need any more proof of that since the fall of the Berlin Wall in the late 80s. Till today, then there's been a tremendous kibbutz galiot, an unprecedented aliyah to Eretz Yisrael. Nased din birishaim. Then after there is kibbutz galiot, there is din dan birishaim. And minyana diyoma, the Gemara here is going to quote from the first parak in Yishayot, which is the Haftorah for Shabbat Chazon. It's the Haftorah that we're going to read in this week on the Shabbat before Tisha B'Av. It says there, Mashiva yadi alayich. Vetzrof kabur sigayich. Then I'm going to return my hand upon you, and I will smelt your dross like the lie. Uchtiv. And then the pasuk afterwards says, Vashiva shoftayich varishona. I'm going to bring back your judges like in the beginning. Bekevan shenaseh din min arishaim kalu aposhim v'kolel zaydim mehem. Then the rishaim disappear. And all the sinners are gone. Everything goes together. Shinamar. As the Pasuk says, V'shever pushim v'chataim yachtav. The destruction of those that transgress as well as those that are sinners will happen together, will happen simultaneously. V'ozevei Hashem yichlu. And those that leave Hashem will be consumed or destroyed. Now what, here we have actually in Pesukim in order. We quoted Pasuk Chavhei, which is in Yishayel, the first paragraph, which is, Shiva yadi alayich v'tzrof kabor sigayich. Then we quote a pasuk chavav, which is a shiva shoftak of Yishona, which is the turn of the shofatim. We skip the pasuk, which is pasuk chavzayin, which is important, which is, Zion b'mishpat tipadeh, v'shavea b'tzdaka. And then the final pasuk that we just quoted here is the pasuk chavchet, which is, v'shever poshim chadim yachtav, v'shevei Hashem yichlu. And that gives us the order of the brachot over here, which is, first of all, after the brachot of kibbutz galiot, we have hashiva shofteinu. And we say in that, Melech Oeb Tzedaka Umishpat. Tzedaka Umishpat comes from that pasuk of Tzion B'Mishpat Tipodeh V'Shavah B'Tzedaka. So that's the nature of the brocha that we're speaking about there. And then after that, we have the Rishayim getting eliminated, which is the elimination of the, the those that are problematic through the judgment of the judication. And that's L'Mashinim Ati Tikvah. Even though that bracha is added later on, it's embedded in the Hashiva Shoftenu, because the Shoftim are going to come and adjudicate these issues and get rid of the Rishayim. And later on, we add on the Mashinim as well. Once we get rid of all the transgressors, the sinners, Mitromumet, Karen Sadikim, 
then the horn of the tzaddikim rises, dichtiv, because the pasuk says in Tehilim, v'chol karnei rishayim agadeya, the horns of the rishayim I will cut off, t'romamna karnot tzaddik, but I will exalt the horns of the tzaddikim. So the two are correlated. The downfall, the cutting off of the horns of the rishayim are associated with also the exalting or the rising of the karnot of the tzaddikim. That's why the brocha of al tzaddikim comes afterwards. Not only does the bracha of tzaddikim deal with tzaddikim, it also deals with gerei tzaddik, which we note in our bracha. Shnemar, because the pasuk tells us in Vayikra and Pasha Kedoshim, Mipnei Seva Takum, Vadarta Pnei Zakein, Samech Levichi Yagur Yitchem Ger. So Mipnei Seva Takum, Vadarta Pnei Zakein, talking about a Zakein and those that are wise, that you have to stand up before them, you have to honor them. Tamidei Chachamim and tzaddikim, right next to it, or juxtaposed to that is Chi Yagur Yitchem Ger. If there's a convert amongst you. So the convert is associated with the tzaddikim, and therefore in the bracha, they're put together in the bracha of Allah tzaddikim. So then, from there we move on to, V'heichan mitromimet karnot, karnam b'yushalayim. Where is their horn to rise, and where is it exalted? Of course, in Yerushalayim, Shnemar. Because it says, Shalush lom Yerushalayim, should pray for the peace of Yerushalayim. Ishlayu ohavayich, your beloved will prosper there in Yerushalayim. So we're talking about the tzaddikim and the exalting and the rising of the tzaddikim that of course will take place in Yerushalayim where the those that are beloved to Hashem prosper. And now once Yerushalayim is built, then David comes, meaning the Mashiach comes, because we have the Pasuk, the Shinemar, Achar Yashuvu B'nai Israel. After Bnei Israel do tshuva, they will search for, they will search out Hashem, their God, that David Malkam, and David their king. So you see that you have the return to Yerushalayim, and once Bnei Israel are there, they're going to search for Hashem and David Malkam. Their David Malkam is the next stage in that process, and that's why after Bnei Yerushalayim, you have Etzemach David. And once David comes, then Prayer comes, Shinemar, Vaviotim, El Harkochi. I'll bring them to my holy mountain, Visimachtim, Bevet, Tfilati. And they will rejoice to celebrate in the house of my prayer. That's why the next bracha is Shomeya Tfila. Bekevan Shabbat Tfila, Bat Abuda. And once prayer comes, so does service, or the worship of Hashem, Shinemar, because that puzzle continues. That the alot and zvachim will then be accepted or appropriate for my mizbeach. And once you have avodah, then thanks comes. Which is the bracha afterwards. After we have the avodah, the bracha of Ritzei, we have the bracha of Modim, which is the bracha of Todah, Shinemar. Because it says in Tehilim, Zoveach Todah Yechabdenani. The one who offers up praise or thanks gives honor or glorifies me. So the Gemara is reading Zoveach being a zvicha, korban, and then only afterwards, Toda, thank you. Umara ulomar birkat koanim achar Why do they say birkat koanim after hoda'ah? Dichtiv. Because it says, Vaisa aron et yadav. Aron raises up his hands. Ela'am. Vayivarachem. And he blesses them. Vayered masota chatat, and he comes down from doing the chatat, ve'aulav al-ashlamim. 
So Nagmar says, From the Pasuk here, it sounds like you would do this before Avodah. You have Aaron giving the bracha, Birkat Kohenim to the Am. And then he comes down from doing the Avodah, which is the Chatat Ulaish Lamim, which indicate that Birkat Kohenim should be before Avodah. And it says, Because it says, Be'yered me'asot ha'chatat. He came down from doing the chatat. Miktiv le'asot. He doesn't come down from doing, but me'asot. After he already had done the avodaktiv. So that indicates that the avodah is already complete. At the point that he is doing the bracha, and he's given the bracha, the avodah me'asot. He's already completed the avodah. He's already completed the avodah. So it's after avodah. Khmer says, If that's the case, why don't you say brikat konim immediately after avodah, and not after avodah. Because you have that correlation between Zvicha Voda and Toda. Why are you giving precedence to one Pasuk over the other? So he says, Avoda Tashem. And giving thanks to Hashem is one item. As Rashi explains over here, what does that mean they're one item? Saying thank you to Hashem and giving praise to Hashem. That's a part of avoda, and therefore it's an extension of avoda. So why is the final bracha sim shalom after birkat goanim? Dichtiv, besamuach me al bnei Israel vani avarachem. You'll place my name on bnei Israel and bless them. That's the pasuk that's written by birkat goanim. Bracha da kosh baruchu shalom, because the bracha of Hashem is shalom. So if besamuach me al bnei Israel vani avarachem. You'll place my name on Bnei Israel, and then I will bless them. So the Birkat Kohanim engenders the Brach of Hashem. It brings the Brach of Hashem. What is the Brach of Hashem? Sim Shalom. Shneamar. Hashem Yivarech et Amo Shalom. That Hashem blesses his nation with peace. So Shalom is the Brach of Hashem, and that's the response to the Birkat Kohanim. And Hashem's response to the Birkat Kohanim is to bring the Brach of Shalom, and that's why we say Sim Shalom. Because that is the proper response to Birkat Kohanim, is the request for that Sim Shalom, the Bracha of Shalom. Right, so here we just explained the reason for the order of the Shmonesseh Brachot, as well as the fact that they must be said Allah Seder. The fact that there's a reason why they're in this order also indicates that the order is important. And that's why you can't read the Shmonesseh Limafreya. So now we had the proof for all of these items that Megillah, Halel, Kriyachma, and Shmonestre all have to be read in order. And if one reads them out of order, then they're not, you'd say. Okay, we're going to stop over here and we'll continue with the Gemara tomorrow.